Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to AIW's The Card is Going to Change, and we are here in the midst of the holiday season. Uh, we hope you enjoyed whatever holiday you just recently celebrated. We're hoping we appeal to everybody. I don't know. Uh, We're hitting all the demographics. We are. Really politically correct there. Yeah, sorry. Uh, well, not sorry. And also, we hope that uh, you're going to enjoy your new year, which is coming up here uh, at the end of the week. This, of course, is the card is going to change, as I said. But since we are in the middle of the beautiful Cleveland winter, this episode is going to be dedicated to times the weather has impacted AIW shows. Uh, my name is Steve Guy. I will be joined momentarily by the owners of AIW, John Thorne and Chandler Biggins. But first, of course, we want to thank our sponsors of the show, keeping us warm in our hearts and in our stomachs. Gotta, pay the, heat Pizza. Gotta pay the heat bill, brother. <laughs> Thank you to Angelo's Pizza again, feeding us today. Very rarely do we get to pizza, but we love everything else there. Well, because they heat our clothes and jackets in the pizza oven to keep us warm. That's not <laughs> just unsanitary, man. Yeah. Like Seinfeld, man. Calzones. Well, Warming up with some Italian wedding soup right now. <laughs> needless to say, you should absolutely try out the award-winning pizza that is at Angelo's along with some of their other dishes. Chicken broccoli pizza is where it's at. Angelo's on Madison Avenue in Lakewood, Ohio. Also, thank you to Smartmark Video, who provides all of our DVDs, RMP4s, and digital streaming. Look at all these DVDs they put under John Thorne's Christmas tree. It's it's quite full. He hasn't even opened them yet. No, grab bags. <laughs> and, of course, thank you to Jack Prince, who handles all of our printing and graphic design needs, and they can take care of yours as well. They will print on just about anything. Check them out at jackprince.com. J-A-K-Prince.com. Dot com. There you go. That that was the voice of Chandler Biggins and then John Thorne. So let's get into it. The snow has been falling all around us in Cleveland, Ohio for some time now, and it is going to continue to do so. What about those times when the weather impacts a wrestling show, guys? Has that ever happened before? What happened when? <laughs> oh, my God, dude. You got to... I'm going to delete the podcast app from your iPhone. Well, now, let's start with this. Some people who listen to this around the country don't realize that Cleveland seemingly has a winter that sometimes starts in September or October and goes all the way sometimes till April and May. Yeah, because if you look at a map, we are definitely in the middle of the snow belt. Yeah. It comes from Canada over Lake Erie right into Cleveland. And. In, Big, Biggins showing that he watches a lot of the news broadcasts. That's around. right. He watches the Weather I Channel. Read a lot sometimes. of newspapers. We watch a lot of news. Now, this guy is such a mark for newscasters. In we, we know, we know. In one case, in one instance, sometimes you fall in love and they move to Texas. <laughs> you want to give her a shout out? Home of Bash. <laughs> in in one instance, the cold weather did impact a girls' night out show in the month of April. Oh yeah. Well, uh, we'll talk about some, you know, some other bad weather shows. But, uh, you know, we thought we could break the curse of bad weather because uh, running any time, like you were saying, it starts in fall and ends in spring and you could have snow at any time. Uh, so running any time in like November, December, uh, January, February, it's always a risk. But uh, we thought April, we'd be fine. Yeah, April springtime. Yeah. April showers. April showers. April showers. Uh, bring like two feet of snow in one day. Uh, it was an out of nowhere. <laughs> what a, As the old yeah, adage goes, the old saying goes. <laughs> yeah. So we scheduled a doubleheader G and O, and we thought we'd be fine. You know, April 
it was calling for nice weather. All of a sudden, this blizzard hits Cleveland. Well, we go to Turner's Hall where we were running, and we go to the building guy, and we said, hey, why is it so cold in here? And he goes, oh, we quit heating the, quit paying the heating bill about six months ago. So we were left with a completely cold building. Like, it was probably negative degrees in there. Uh, every fan wore a winter coat. Uh, people, the wrestlers, you could see their breath when like, they wrestled. Like, like, let's also set the scene here. It was like not just a little bit of snow. It's like a foot of snow has has fallen before doors are even open. Like out of nowhere. It was a nice day, and all of a sudden, it was like you snapped your fingers and there's a foot of snow. So uh, we hit Athena was flying in from Texas at the time. Speaking of Texas. And uh, all of her flights were canceled. And totally headhunter style, uh, Athena takes initiative, and she is... I'm a professional, she John. Was, she was not arrested. We should point that out. She was not arrested, <laughs> but she is very efficient and professional, so her flights are canceled. She can't get a flight into Cleveland. She gets a flight into Akron, um, which is about an hour away from Cleveland. It's normally not a problem. We fly people into Akron regularly. A small... Uh, it's, it's a very small airport, but... Um, this actually ends up causing the only AIW show that I've never, I was not present for, um, because I had to leave because nobody else was capable or able or had a car or crazy enough to go get Athena in Akron in the middle of a blizzard. But I mean, as a promoter, this is kind of some of the things that you're called she upon was to do. Like a marquee talent too. These are sure. some of the things you're you're called upon to do. So I had to leave my my own show before it started and drive all the way to Akron, which normally is about an hour drive. It took me about two and a half hours to get there um, in complete whiteout weather. Athena, like a boss, though, she, she made it to Akron, and then we drive all the way back, um, and it's just like it, it's just disastrous. I mean, people that don't um, – that don't live anywhere where there's snow. Snow fucking is awful. And I'm not even trying to be a snow complainer. It sucks to drive in. And it sucks even worse when there's a blizzard. Um, and Complete it, whiteout. You don't know where the road is. And it sucks, you know, on top of that, when uh, you're trying to get this marquee talent to an event uh, and you're, you're under the gun because you know that the girls' night out event is not going to go. Like, the first one is not going to last that and long. Then- We've, we've never talked about this, but I know we were in complete communication the whole time. Like, were you just scared that the whole show was like falling apart or? Oh yeah. Because like, <laughs> I'm like, I kept going, is everything okay? And I'm like, yeah, man, it's <laughs> fine. Cause there was like, there was nobody, you know, Biggins was running the front of the house, but right. there was really nobody running the back of the house. I think Allison K maybe stepped up and I think like her and social. Yeah. Like they stepped up and kind of took charge, uh, while I was gone. But it was just a weird feeling because I've never not been at an AIW event before. Uh, so we ended up, you know, getting there after the first Girls' Night Out taping had completed. So Athena had to actually wrestle twice on the next taping. So we could, you know, she wrestled the first match. But so you it, could include it on the it first was really, show. It was really the main <laughs> event of the first show. Just taped, taped totally uh, Sorry, everybody. out of order. Um and, uh, you know, that was that was kind of when we knew Turner's Hall was not going to make it too longer because they had been trying to sell us the building at that point. And uh, we just walk in and they're like, oh, yeah, 
we owe like thousands of dollars to the gas company. So don't expect heat here ever again. Yeah, our, our final show, we'll get back to Gino in a second, but our final show was a horrible cold day. It was hell on earth. 10 Helen or 10, nine or 10, 10, I think yeah. 10. We were at Turner's hall and we, we knew there was going to be no heat. And it was just one of those like uncomfortable cold days. And we went out and spent hundreds of dollars on space heaters. Oh yeah. That was, that was, uh, you know, you want to talk about the most indie professional wrestling thing you could ever do. Uh, we're running a building knowingly without heat. Uh, so, and we, we did warn everybody ahead of time in case anybody worries, <laughs> uh, but it was Arctic outside, uh, and we did spend hundreds of dollars on little space heaters. That did not fucking yeah, work. So how I mean, if, work out if you it. watch Hell on Earth 10, you just see the little orange, like, <laughs> yeah, spots, like glow. Glow, glowing <laughs> orange all over the building because we just had space heaters plugged in everywhere. I'm, I'm shocked we did not kill the whole entire power grid for the west yeah. side of Cleveland. Oh, yeah, because those things take up quite a bit of uh, electricity, and we had... We had Pedro going around and, like, testing the wattage of different outlets to see where we could put these stupid things. Yeah, because we don't know anything about that. But, uh, yeah, that's probably the most indie thing we ever had to do is go... Uh, I would say we bought... Oh, no, I would say the most indie thing we ever had to do was bought all these space heaters... And then I went around Turner's Hall and put them back into boxes with Kaplan, and we did, sealed them back up, and I took them all back to Walmart. And I go, and she's like, well, sir, these have been retaped. I go, I don't know. They, none of them worked. <laughs> yeah, we did We did take back all 37 <laughs> space heaters. I had two shopping carts of heaters, and she goes, sir, none of these worked? I go, I don't know what it is, but none of them worked, I swear. Yeah, I don't know. We just could, we just couldn't get one of them to fire up. They were all different brands, and uh, we had just we had bought them twelve hours per, like uh, earlier in the day, so they were they were they were very confused. But Walmart will take anything back don't, for for anybody say, anybody out there. Don't say which Walmart. Don't say anybody it. out there. If you ever buy something from Walmart, they will take it the fuck back, no matter what condition it's in. But uh, back to Athena and Mia Yim, like they had probably my favorite women's match we've ever had. One of them. Uh, Athena comes directly to the air from the airport to, with Thorne, gets into her gear, goes out, and her and Mia Yim had one of the best matches I think in AIW history. Mind you, she thought she was going to die the entire car ride from Akron back to Cleveland because they don't have too much snow in Texas. Yeah, not too much right. snow in Texas, and this was like, you know, like fucking Antarctica level like snowstorm. Like could not see cars spinning out everywhere, people like it, uh, probably dying on the side of the road. Did she have at least a winter jacket on? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think she owned one. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's kind of what I'm wondering. You She's travel. from Texas, man. So Athena, the Athena Mia Yim is actually the closing match to the first taping. It wasn't even the closing Girls. match. It was semi-main. Oh, okay. And, I mean, so how long of a duration is that entire day? You're, you're taping two shows. Uh, like six hours, maybe. Girl <laughs> shows run short. But six hours... In essentially an ice box. The fans are very passionate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, that's fair. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of people going out in their cars in between matches and heating up for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, there was at least a couple girls that came to the ring for their entrance, not in an entrance jacket, their winter coat with the fur around the uh, hood, and <laughs> it's fashionable. No space heaters for this. For this. Uh, well, event. it was unexpected. We didn't know it was coming. So. For uh, you know, moving but, on, but the show must go on. That is our motto. Yeah, we've never canceled. The, well, that's maybe there are times where you should have. I don't know. Uh, I no? don't believe in this weather 
causes you to cancel. Like, okay. there's a guy uh, recently that we somebody told us about that four days before a show, he cancels it because he says the weather might be bad. Like, that's not a reason to cancel a show. We've we've gone through some real rough patches. Like, there was a, a show in another, another April show we ran in, what, 2008? It was March, I believe. March? March? April. Yeah. Uh, March or April 2008, destroy everything. Uh, <laughs> and this was at a different venue. Yeah, this is down in the flats. At uh, Mulberries. Uh, right by the river. You know, it was yeah. a big... Yeah, like, like proper downtown Cleveland. Near, near yeah. the Harbor Inn. Near the Harbor Inn. Love uh, the Harbor Shout Inn. out to Wally. That's right. Yeah, completely uh, downtown Cleveland, right next to the river. It was like a perfect setting. Uh, I think the snow came right off of Lake Erie, right on top of our show. Yeah, like it was another situ- like same situation, springtime. Nice day. Just like uh, an awful turn of events. Uh, we had Jerry Lawler booked who had no-showed that day. Well, canceled day of. Well, uh, me and bartender Nick Sanka, we sat at the airport for two hours and we're like, okay, all these Memphis flights keep coming down and there's no king. So because he never contacted us. And then we finally get a hold of him, and then something was uh, something was wrong with somebody in his family, and so we understood why he canceled. But it would have been nice to get some forewarning before we're standing at the airport. Sure. Yeah. So uh, we end up, you know, we end up uh, through his booking agent because we weren't dealing with him directly. We end up uh, booking Al Snow. He did call you at that point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we we end up booking Al Snow because he. He is within drivable distance. He was in Louisville, Kentucky. Because uh, we had planned on this being a huge show because we're like, we want a double name main event. You know, Jerry Lawler versus the king of old school, Steve Carino. Yeah. So we were really trying to, you know, uh, I guess, invest in the names. You know, this is this is in the in the height of the, um, you know, Cleveland wrestling war, so to speak, where there's multiple promotions kind of fighting over the same territory. So we like pulled all our money together and we we're like, you know, we want to do this marquee match with Jerry, the King Lawler. Um, we hadn't really booked a lot of name ish guys at that point. Um, and then, you know, he ends up canceling. Um, and then a snowstorm hits. We book Al snow. He gets there. Uh, he has the famous line of, uh, <laughs> Nobody look outside because there's 12 inches of snow standing right here in this ring. Uh, you know, very that classy individual, very classy promo. He cut as soon as he arrived at the building in front of the live crowd. Um, obviously not a huge crowd due to the snowstorm. Uh, right. But, you know, we we had that is the one problem with trying to chug through like bad weather. But, it, you know, it has to happen. Um, We're going to lose more support uh, canceling than we would people coming out in bad weather and then i guess the funniest part of the entire thing is so jerry lawler's not there we book al snow al snow gets there uh we're waiting on steve carino well in i was uh, steve carino was my guy you know we talk about thorn and uh me having different guys right so steve carino hits us up like the week of the show and is like i'm with my student ricky landell uh can you cut part of my pay and give it to Ricky because he's my driver. And we said, sure. So we found a role for Ricky. It was something with like Tolar and Marion Fontaine or something. He was like a mystery partner or something. Yeah. And like Steve had normally flown in, but we had had uh, issues with us with snowstorms previously with him. Yeah. Cause that December of that year, he couldn't come, which we'll talk about in a minute, but 
Yeah, so he had agreed to drive, you know, if we could book his student. So we go, sure, no problem. So then about 5 o'clock, the show starts at 7.30. About 5 o'clock, Ricky Landau walks in, sits down in the locker room, opening his bags, getting, you know, and like, says, shakes our hands, says, hi, I'm Ricky. So, so, so he's, you know, he's doing his thing or whatever, and then, you know, we're worrying about the snowstorm and Jerry Lawler and trying to figure out where Al Snow is and all these different things. And, you know, the show starts, and, you know, we just think every, everything's together. And then, you know, Ricky Landell's geared up. I think up. you even, like, you, me, and Wadsworth were, like, talking. We're like, have you seen Carino? Have you seen Carino? We just assume he's there because his is just floating his around dri- somewhere. His, his driver is there. Right. His driver's there, you know? So, so we, all three of us, walk up to Ricky Landell, <laughs> and we say, hey, man, is Steve here? He goes, oh, no, he didn't tell you. He's driving himself in a van. Yeah. So his ride, his driver shows up without him in the car. Uh, so we, he's driving a van with a, his dog in it. Okay. So uh, then we now begin to panic again uh, because now we have Al Snow and nobody for him to wrestle. So I'm texting Steve Carino and he's responding going, oh, man, I'm on my way. It's really bad out here, though. It's really bad, really bad. So I'm talking to him up until the show, you know. Well, still isn't there. Still isn't there. Uh, the semi-main event was M-Dog 20. It's some kind of tag match with M Dog. I think it's M Dog. It's M Dog twenty and Dio Salvador versus Sterling James Keenan and Josh Prohibition. Yes, yes, because that was right when Josh came back. He's healed, Josh. Yeah, him and SJK were doing like this weird heel thing. And Josh Prohibition would do the leg kicks, which I love. Yeah, and Corey Graves would uh, wrestle in a fishnet hustler shirt. It was really and leather pants. <laughs> real weird look he had going on. <laughs> People think his suits on Monday Night Raw are weird. You've seen nothing compared to the fishnet. I love his suits on Monday Night Raw. Yeah, well, pick up some old AIW and uh, check out that fishnet shirt. AIWarchives.com. Fish. I, re- I remember there was a there was a guy in the crowd, Cock Lesnard's good friend of mine. He used to come to the shows at that era and get real drunk, and he would just stand at the guardrail and just go, fish, net, shirt. And that was his whole taunt. <laughs> and he would just say that over and over and over again. Cock Lesnard's also the man famous in that era because he would strip his shirt off and have pose downs with Seth Rollins. Yes, he would do that. Uh, and now my, he's, uh, here, now here's 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 a tip. Allegedly, here's here's a tip to uh, wrestling promoters around the world: don't invite your real life friends to come to wrestling if they don't like wrestling because well, they don't, they don't get it and well, they're gonna get real drunk. Well, they they might like wrestling, but not in, they don't know independent wrestling. Yeah, and they're going to get real drunk, and it's going to be real embarrassing well, for you. We'll talk about this in a couple minutes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a very, very, very uh, uh, good I'll, example. I'll, good example just, of yeah. of why you should not involve your real life friends. So, so Steve Carino. Yeah, yeah. I haven't Steve heard from Carino. him. <laughs> I'm texting him. So the main, the semi main event is going to the ring, and Al Snow keeps going. Where's Steve Carino? So they're wrestling in the ring, and I think they were scheduled to go a long time because it was like it was like the real AIW main event, and the names were like just the like sure. Well, the we cake. told them the stretch because Carino yes. Carino says he's close. So Carino quits responding to me. So they're in the ring. They do like forty five minutes, I think, in the ring. Well, in the meantime, Steve Carino is not responding anymore. Ricky Landell took his money and bounced. Uh, <laughs> it's just super weird. Uh, so we send a message to the ref. To tell, tell Sterling James Keenan, because he was absolute champ at the time, stay in the ring. You're going to wrestle Al Snow. And you talk about old school. The, literally, neither of these guys talked one 
minute about their match. Yes. Because- so, you know, we tell Al, you know, you, you're going to have to go out. You're going to have to call it on the fly. And, of course, Al is no problem. No problem. And right. he goes, oh, my God, this is your champ. He was excited to work the champ. And this is around the time when, you know, he was he was heavily involved in OVW and uh, S- Sterling had been going down and doing a lot of like, you know, now now people know of the performance center tryouts. Well, before at OVW, they would have you come down there for a week and you would try gimmicks out, different gimmicks out and things like that. So Cause I, I don't know if it's ever been stated, but, you know, uh, not to reveal too much, but Sterling James Keenan was possibly going to be in this uh the kevin thorne gimmick before it was uh yeah he was Mordecai. he was brought he was brought to uh he was brought to ovw to work with uh, shelly martinez and you know test out the vampire gimmick uh because i guess that was a gimmick that they had you know Heyman wanted a vampire yeah they they All had right. planned so he was uh you know i don't know if these you know where the timetables line up but i think it's right around this era. it's when Heyman was working for was booking ovw and they brought Sterling down to test out the but vampire. He had multiple game. tryouts as well. Yeah, but so Al was was excited to work with him, especially calling it on the fly because he was so so much close to the the WWE developmental system. He's a guy that they kept thinking about signing uh, as far back as you know this is two thousand eight. Um, so Al goes out there and you know they call it on the fly and then you know they do a match and uh, Sterling goes over and then Al Snow comes back and he's pissed. He's like throwing chairs, and uh, we had like a, a lot of younger wrestlers, and they were all like a semicircle around El Snow all night, and like he's screaming at them, and like get the fuck away from me, and yeah. So uh, I, I, you know, Sterling gets back, and I go, "What's wrong?" He goes, "Oh, nothing. It was great." And I go, "Why is he? Why is he so mad?" And that El Snow uh, was pissed because he had the job. <laughs> he wanted <laughs> he wanted to win the belt. I swear! I swear! He said something about, oh, this is your champ. That'd be great. I'll put him over. I think he said, this is your champ. That'll be great. And he thought he was going to win. And he was going to come, come back. And he was going to come back maybe, all the time. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm thinking with uh, rose-colored glasses. <laughs> yeah, so uh, he was very upset that uh, Steve Carino's and his van full of dogs never made it. And uh, he had to... Uh, and he was not he did not AIW become absolute champion. He did not become absolute champion. Oh, never saw him again. That's tragic. <laughs> That's going to lead into well, our our next example of we whether renamed, we renamed this show after the fact, right? But it was originally supposed to be Gauntlet for the Gold, like three Gauntlet for the Gold three, and now a show affectionately referred to as Nightmare Before Christmas. And boy, it was a fucking nightmare. <laughs> I'll let, I'll let Biggins lead this one off because so, it's it's really kind of my fault. There was this big blizzard coming in and. You know, a lot of times they make prediction of blizzards. That's what we were saying about canceling. There's been times where we've been having shows and they're like, oh, my God, there's a foot of snow coming Friday. And then we have a show and there's no snow to be seen. Um, so anyways, we go, we're we at the, we're in Parma and it is bad, like really bad. And we go, hey, it's supposed to clear up later. So we make it down to Mulberries in Cleveland in the flats like we talked about. And they're so excited because... For the first time ever, they were serving Christmas ale on keg. Oh boy! Uh, and if people, so if people don't know what Christmas ale is, it is, I, I guess, somewhat of a, a local or regional beer uh, made in Cleveland by by uh, it's made in Ohio Great City, Lakes Brewery. Yeah, Great, yeah, Lakes Great Lakes Brewery. Brewery. And this is like the marquee beer that they offer. However, like it is the number one beer probably people consider with Cleveland. But however, 
they own, it is so like high octane, I guess, so to speak, and as far as alcohol volume. Yeah, it's especially it's, I feel like I think they've toned it down in recent years. The ABV probably like the four loco. The band. ABV used to be uh, seven or eight percent. Yeah. I, so what's that like three to one with like a normal beer? Yeah, your normal beer is maybe three, three and a half. So, so what do you think they could have down to like two to one or something? Maybe. I know that I know oh. it's definitely not as strong as it used to be, Dif- but yeah, different. Recipe, it's so it, it's so kind of I, I don't want to say dangerous, but. They would only. Like if you're lucky, thirteen. You should not be going uh, Christmas ale to Little Guido's beers. Right. No. Uh, so they only allow it from November to January. They will only sell it those months. Well, because they sell out because it's so popular. It's but, Christmas ale. But they only they Season. don't they don't they don't make it at, like they only offer it for those three months of the year. So it's like a huge deal. When Christmas ale comes out, well, even now they yeah, do it. Bars throw like just parties they, for the untapping. They do it. They do a tasting the day of at Grey Lakes Brewer that starts at ten or eleven and in the sells morning. Sells out the whole time. And there's a line around the block just for you to get a little sample of it. Yeah, like, just if sampling. you don't know anything about Cleveland, like Christmas ale is like the number one thing people talk beer, about yeah, at Christmas beer is time. What people in live. For. I will tell you this: as a guy who used to work in restaurants and manage them, there was a point in time where the top three beer kegs sold. In the Northeast Ohio area went Bud Light and Miller Light in any order, number three, Christmas Ale, and was only out for nine out of 52 yeah, weeks. Yeah, Christmas time in Cleveland, there's two things, Christmas Story House and Christmas Ale. That's all there is in Cleveland. I don't much. touch the stuff because it was just, I just had bad experiences on it. I would usually <laughs> typically either end up A, crying, or B, like punching car windows in a parking lot in a total blackout. So I stay away from Christmas Ale. Uh, there was one Christmas where Thorne punched me. Hey, it goes back to him hating me. I broke your glasses. You broke. He broke my glasses. It was his birthday party. He punched me, and he goes. The next day, he texts me and goes, "Everybody says I punched you. I'm sorry, man." And I never got to talk to Thorne after that because he fell asleep in a bowl of soup. I mean, Christmas ale is dark times, yeah. man. But that goes back to how bad Christmas ale, you know. So back to mulberries, a nightmare before Christmas. They finally are tapping a so, keg with Christmas ale at so a wrestling we, event. So we decide, idea. we decide, you know, normally doors, you know, to a normal show, uh, we put on the flyer 630 and we try our damnest to get the people in at 630. But since it was so bad out, the venue asked us, can you just let people in, you know, as they arrive? Because there was a bar upstairs that served the Christmas ale, and they have sure. like you know the concessions and everything. So as people would arrive, we would just you know send them up, send them to the to the bar upstairs. Area. Yeah, yeah, send them upstairs. So the entire bar is full of people, like in the mid afternoon, and everybody wanted Christmas ale. So by the time the show happens, the, the blizzard is awful. Uh, Steve Carino, who was flying in, uh, couldn't make it, and he had canceled. The show before he was our absolute champ. He had canceled the show before because he was imprisoned in India for starting a riot at a press conference. Uh, so he called us from there. Yeah, we had well, some bad right. luck with Carino. I love Carino, but man, it was it was hard to book him as champ. Commission, so, Commissioner Sunny, I believe, canceled. Uh, Commissioner Sunny canceled because she wanted us to change her flight to a later flight so she could get drunk. Oh yeah, so we didn't do that. <laughs> Yeah. So that's probably so a that's good what, call. That's yeah. why the commission didn't come back. So two, our two biggest names on the show cancel. So this is all going on. So we're all at the venue, and people are just getting sloshed on this Christmas ale. But mind you, this is supposed to be a gauntlet for the gold. So we had we had over 30 people booked because it's a 30-person gauntlet. Well, Plus other matches. So which, there's, for those who aren't familiar, which most people listening to this are, gauntlet for the gold, of course, being an over-the-top rope. 
the Royal Rumble. Rumble. Yeah. It's the Rumble yeah. Royale. It's the Royal Rumble. Yeah. It's the Royal Rumble. <laughs> Rumble Royale. We, get, we can't get sued. Rumble Hot Royale. Infringement. Rumble Royale. <laughs> so, uh, so people start canceling, and we don't even have 30 people that are going to make it. Like local guys that live 20 minutes from the venue oh, are canceling. Yeah. Our cancellations are going nuts, and it's all people that live in Cleveland. And this was going to be a huge show for us because... You know, the, the split had happened with AIW, and we were trying to re-get our roster, like rebuild the roster from nothing, basically. So this was the show that Johnny Gargano was going to return to after a year gone. This was the show that DJZ Shima Zion was going to make his big return in the gauntlet. So we had all these big surprises for the plus, gauntlet. Plus guys like Gregory Iron were going to debut. debut. Uh, Homeless Handicap Connection was going to debut with Greg. No, that was that was made up on the fly. They were just going to be in the gauntlet. They were gauntlet Oh, guys. really? Yeah. Okay. So Hobo Joe was going to be his debut, I think. Uh, a bunch of people. Uh, and little did we know that all the people 20 minutes away are canceling. Next thing you know, Shane Hollister and Tyler Black, uh, Seth Rollins, they just walk in after nine hours of driving from Iowa. <laughs> well, it's probably more than nine hours. Yeah, with the they snow. Just, I, I, I will never forget the visual. Tyler Black rolls in with, like, a black trench coat on, just, like, his, his winter coat, and he's just fucking ready to go. And you want to know why, like, certain guys make it and certain guys don't? All, like, the 40-milers from Cleveland all canceled on that show because the weather yeah. was bad. This guy... Was it just like Athena? You know, you wonder why Athena made it. This guy was not gonna miss this show. Whether he's he... not, yeah, he's not gonna miss a shot, no matter what the weather is. So you know, he's this is just like independent wrestler Tyler Black, pre Ring of Honor Tyler Black. You know, his biggest exposure I think up until this point was like Ida Bay Mid South show. So like, but he wasn't gonna miss a shot because he knew, you know, this this is what pro wrestlers do. You make you make this because if you're a pro wrestler, every shot is important, no sure. matter. You know, you go back to the old. There's five people or 50, 500 people or whatever. You know, it's like it, it's like a common term now, you know, like making towns. Tyler fucking Black made the town. And what, what no snowstorm is going to stop him. Yeah. It, but fucking, you know, the guys up the road can't aren't leaving their driveway. This guy drove. I think he said that day, like it took him 14 hours or something to get to the event. But he was he was there early because he saw that there's bad weather. So he left early. And, uh, you know, it just and wrestled and drove right back home. Yeah. Didn't ask for a hotel. Nothing. Wrestled, got his money and just drove back home. I which, think which we'll talk about how he got his money in a minute. But so, uh, you know, it's just one of those things, you know, he made he made the shot. But uh, it turned out to be an awful experience well, Not for for. I mean, it was great that he came and wrestled, but I'm saying for. All the wrestlers involved, it was a, it turned out to be an awful day. Well, Thorne had a guy uh, he was buddies with, and I was buddies with by default because he, you know, just friends with Thorne. His name is Brad, and he was known as Moonshine Muck McGee. And we'll paint the picture for you. We talked, uh, we, we'll talk about him on a future episode, but he wears a leather cowboy vest, a cowboy hat, and he would paint a full beard, a facial beard, on his face in Sharpie marker. And he would occasionally make cameo appearances in like the gauntlet. It's a terrible idea. You don't you don't wash that off. <laughs> no, right it doesn't away. come off. Uh, Brad's really turned his life around lately, but yeah, yeah, corporate Brad. So this guy is just like our buddy. So he's like you know involved in the show, and somehow just it being a wrestling show, there's a kendo stick. Well, he was getting hit with it by another one of his buddies to the point where his entire body was bleeding. Oh my. So then he comes out and tells people all like Thorne's crew, 
in like the front row that had been drinking Christmas ale all day. He goes to them, oh, the wrestlers beat me up. No, but this that's not even what caused what happened. That's just that's icing on the cake. Okay, go ahead. Uh so my other friends uh are there and uh it's you know, it's they're cousins. So my my buddy Danny is there and uh my buddy Chris, who was my roommate slash landlord at the time, his girlfriend is there. And they're all drunk on Christmas ale, and Christmas ale just makes you an idiot. So Danny's claims that Christmas ale has numbed his entire body to where he can't feel anything. So Chris's girlfriend just provide just starts punching him in the face over oh, and over again. Moonshine McMiggy's sister, by the way. Yeah, okay. so it's a whole it's a whole thing. Uh, Very incestual. Yeah, it's a whole thing. So she's punching Danny, and Danny comes out like from by the locker room area, bleeding everywhere. Uh, Meanwhile, this, this is this is moments after Moonshine Monk McGee has said the wrestlers have beaten him with sticks. So all these people are bloody, saying the wrestlers are beating their asses. But essentially, it was them doing it to each other. But, but they didn't want to admit that. No, know. they didn't realize that they oh. were doing it. You know, because like I said, Christmas Sale has put them in a in a whole other just universe of of comprehending things. Yeah, we will never get a great like sponsorship out of this now. But yeah, so that's all right. So. So we so it's right before my match, so I go. It was going to be this. Why why I think we had a kendo stick there was Thorn and this guy, the Thrillbilly, were going to do a hardcore Christmas death match. Like I think we called it the Black Christmas Death Match or something. Fans bring the weapons, so we had probably fifty people there, and I think all fifty of them brought weapons. There's Christmas ornaments full of thumbtacks and glass that said like hate. And- oh my god, that I'll never forget that. Somebody took the time to. Uh, with multiple Christmas ornaments, glue with thumbtacks pointing out the word hate <laughs> across four ornaments. The other side said evil. Okay. And and then another set of Christmas ornaments spelled out torture. <laughs> so this is this is the crowd and we're dealing were, with. And they were filled filled because uh, they was the, they were the hollow ornaments. They were filled with like salt. Uh, thumbtacks, broken glass. Yeah, like real demonic like lime shit. lime juice, I think. Real so we're already, before chaos is are, has even people ensued. Are, people are real amped up yeah, for some yeah, violence. We already have violence and we have weapons being so, brought. And then on top of that, we find out there's going to be tons of so Christmas sale. Thorn, Thorn of the Thribbly, you know, up to this point, the show had just been okay. They really want to put on the show for the fans. So their opening spot is going to be the Thribbly hard wing Thorn with a box cutter. Yeah, it was real smart. Cause they go, we got to get the crowd into it. So I'm thinking about this, and I come to the I come to the ring. Well, you know, I would say there's 50 people there. 15 of them are my real life friends who are drunk out of their minds. They're also friends with the Thrillboy. They wanted to see us fucking do some dumb stuff. They're all drunk. Uh, I get to the ring, and chairs get start coming out of the darkness, like the ECW chair riot. But it's just one at a time, getting so, getting whipped getting whipped at me. At the time, we had ring lights, so the arena was darkened. Yeah. But the ring was illuminated, so Thorne just sees these chairs flying in, but he can't see where they're. I can't see from. where they're coming from, and it's just one at a time, and I'm just hearing screaming, and I'm like, "What the fuck is going on?" Well, it turns out it is my uh, my good friend slash roommate slash landlord, uh, and he's he wants to kill me. 
because my wrestler friends beat up his entire family, have beaten up his cousin to a bloody pulp, <laughs> and the brother of his girlfriend was apparently beaten by a stick. <laughs> um, so then, you know, of course, the, the wrestler thing to do is, you know, like they don't know who these these are my friends. Because it, it started with him, but then all his crew started going, oh, Chris is mad. He's throwing chairs. Let's all join in. So so they all start whipping chairs at Thor. But I think somebody tried to calm Chris down, and he, st- he starts fighting his our own group of friends. And then Pedro goes, they're try- then they all start trying to come over the rails. So... And I don't know what the fuck's going on. This well, is my, I'll, give, I'll give my impression this, of Pedro's this, call. This is, this is my friend slash landlord. So I got to go home and live with this guy later. <laughs> All the boys from the back get to the ring. There's a riot. All the boys from the back get out here. So the entire locker room thinks there's like, you know, somebody's jumping in the ring with a gun or something. They don't know. So the whole locker room runs out and it just becomes like a West Side Story riot. Yeah, Eric Ryan. Were they dancing? Eric Ryan, who is a rookie at the time, he comes out swinging. Michael Tarver comes out swinging. Uh, and then the Thrillblaze starts fighting the wrestlers because they're fighting his real-life well, friends. No, no, no. No, Thrillblaze <laughs> started fighting a fan because a fan just decides to get involved. So some random fan starts choking the guy who got beat up. So he's choking a fan, Thrillblaze is like a big size guy. He's probably about a 300 pounder. He does a jump over the rail like it was a hurdle. Just starts beating up a fan. All while the fan was beating on another fan. So it just looks like a big like pile up, like a football pile you know, there's up. 50, there's 50 people there. 45 of them are fighting each other or wrestlers. And it's just like, and I'm looking around, I'm going... These are these are my friends. And then these the, are my these this is this is my landlord. The venue starts freaking out. So they put on like they couldn't because they were like gym lights. They wouldn't come on right away. So they put on like floodlights, like emergency lights. I think at one point there was like a siren. Yeah. Uh like a like a door alarm. Tyrone Evans is or Michael Tarver is, you know, he's dragging people out into the snow. Just like a bartender or a bouncer. Just, just kicking he's, them just, out. he's just whipping people out the door. He, he's got them by their collar and their <laughs> waistband and just throwing them with their feet off the ground into a snow drift. And then <laughs> in the middle of it, I see the throwblade beating up a fan and I go, I got to stop this. So I just attack the throwblade and we start our match. <laughs> yeah. So meanwhile, all this is going on. Moonshine Muck McGee's in the ring, like just joking around because yeah. he didn't know what was going on. It, which he essentially has caused this entire thing right. with his stick beating story. <laughs> but but to him, it was just like, oh man, this is so funny. So, but he's ha- drunk, and we also have. So then, there's also a wrestler slash business partner that is there, who was a Cleveland police officer at the time. He no longer is, and this will probably explain it. He also got into the Christmas sale for the first time. So he gets in the ring, and he had wrestled earlier in the night just to fill a role. Uh, he wrestled as Mike the Patriot because somehow there was a Patriot mask in the back. Yeah, we were really stretching this, to fill spots. This was a dark day. This was the, one of our darkest days in history, if you can't tell. So this guy wrestled. So he's in a blue singlet with his boots well, and everything. Well, no, when he's in the ring with Moonshad Muck McGee. Well, no, no, I'm getting to that. So he wrestled in a blue singlet. Well, he didn't think to change. So he just put his street clothes on over his uh, singlet. So he gets in the ring and Thorne and uh, Thribbley are brawling in the crowd. 
All of a sudden, he gets in the ring and starts calling spots to Moonshine McGee. Who is not a wrestler. Who's not a wrestler and doesn't understand because to him, wrestling's just like, oh, it's a good time. And he's completely drunk. So the, he calls a shoot DDT and grabs him and DDTs him, giving Moonshine McGee a concussion while he's already covered in blood from getting beat with a kendo stick. And drunk. Then. Well, then yeah. here comes the money shot. So this business partner starts hitting the ropes and running the ropes like the ultimate warrior and then decides that he's all why there's a riot going on. Yeah. There's a riot going on. And the hard cam footage of this is on the DVD. It's hilarious. He thinks he's going to help the riot situation by stripping naked and showing his penis to the crowd. Police officer, (laughs) a police officer. (laughs) Nothing, nothing solves a riot like a penis dropping a dick out there. (laughs) Yeah, Just putting a dick out in the open. So he takes all his clothes off, but he's so drunk that he doesn't know he has a singlet on. To him, in his mind, he's completely naked. So he's hitting the ropes doing pee-pee dances, and like he's just like grinding. He's like, hey, baby, look at this. And he, he, he's he helicoptering. He thinks he's helicoptering his dick. Yeah, but he, he, his, he thinks his dick is out. It's not. It's in a singlet. He's got a full wrestling gear on. He doesn't realize it. So he is just going mad. Oh. Thorn, Moonshine McGee's laying on the ground moaning. Thorn and the Thrillblade get back in the ring. Uh, they're working a match. Well, then all of a sudden, this guy shoots Moonshine McGee back in the ring. Thorn's on the top rope about to do a double stomp. And this guy starts pee-pee dancing between Thorn and the Thrillblade. <laughs> so Thorn is just standing on the top rope to come off of it. While this guy is standing between him and his opponent... Doing like a pelvic thrust. He thinks that dick is out, dude. He thinks that he must have been. He must have thought that whole crowd was impressed. So then, him and Moonshine McGee. Moonshine McGee is like out cold, basically. He picks him up and starts shooting him off the ropes. But then Moonshine McGee is so out of it by being drunk and concussed that Moonshine McGee hits the ropes and just crumbles like into nothing. Well, this guy starts putting the boots to him, and Thorne is just like, get the fuck out of the ring, man. So I come down and try to pull him out of the ring. And meanwhile, this is a Cleveland cop, and he could probably kill me. He grabs me, and he goes, work with me, kid. And then just (laughs) pops me in the face, but it was a work punch. (laughs) But he pops me, and thank God it was a work punch or I'd be dead. But he, like, brawled with me through the curtain into the back. So he loads all his stuff into his bag. He's still in his singlet, so he thinks he's completely naked. Well, he starts to leave, and all his stuff is falling out. Well, Tyler Black is a lot like Tyler Black is ready to go. You know, he had been paid and everything. He walks up to Tyler Black and he goes, "You are so handsome. I want to make love to you." <laughs> and Tyler Black is like, he's you know, the he's most like a, serious guy ever. Yeah, he's a serious guy. You know, he was just like, "I gotta go, guys." <laughs> so. uh yeah, then uh, I realized that I couldn't go home because uh, my roommate slash landlord had started a riot, wanted to kill me, and then gotten beaten up by the AIW roster. Uh, so uh, I had to go stay in a hotel. And that's the nightmare before Christmas. <laughs> it was a nightmare. I, there's so many questions, but I don't even know where to begin. So, uh, And Johnny Gargano returned to AIW that night. I wonder what he was thinking. Yeah, who actually wins the gauntlet there? I mean, it, Nobody. We canceled it. There you go. Yeah, we canceled it and postponed it until uh, February or March. Oh, well, folks, that has uh, been another edition of The Card is Going to Change. 
we hope that you enjoyed the, the bad weather episode. And I think the moral of the story is, if you are a promoter, maybe consider canceling. But then yeah. again, maybe don't. Just don't bring your friends, your real-life friends. Don't bring your friends. If you are a fan, never miss a bad weather show. Oh, like because uh, you on, never Friday, know what on Friday we have a show. I don't know what the weather is going to be, but it, no matter what, be there because there will be a show. That's right. Well, folks, we uh, we do. As Chandler Biggins just said, we hope to see you this Friday at the Jelly of the Month Club. Uh, if we don't, have a happy new year. We'll have a, another show next week for you to enjoy. And other than that, folks, this has been Steve Guy for co-owners of AIW, John Thorne and Chandler Biggins. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Christmas was yesterday.